20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome into an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for being here today. Quick shout out to our new Pack a Day Podcast YouTube member, Robert Howe, as well as our Hall of Fame and All Pro members, Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wilde, Shea Bradad, Brandon Paletta, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Donald Lee, Lori Lord, Baby QB, David McCluskey, and Donald Decker. Appreciate you guys a ton. Appreciate all of you for being here, whether it's a subscriber, your first time here, whatever it might be. You guys are the absolute best. Hope you will enjoy today's episode. And today's episode is going to be about the Packers salary cap. Now, I understand that sometimes this stuff is not for the faint at heart. There's a lot of salary cap jargon. There's a lot of, you know, sort of like hypotheticals and what could happen. And that's not necessarily everyone's cup of tea. So I get that. I understand that. But I think we're going to have a very fun exercise today, sort of going through some of the Packers options and what options they have to get under the salary cap, how they could spend some money, how they could go about building this roster and potentially trying to put together a Super Bowl team for 2024. So we're going to go through all of that today. And guess what? There is only one way to do that. And that is with the return of the one, the only spreadsheet Andy. So he will be here in just a moment. Before we do that, for those of you who are listening on the audio podcast, you will be able to get everything out of today's episode just like normal. However, uh, I do recommend viewing it on YouTube if you have the op- you know opportunity to do either. Um, it'll just give you a little bit more of a visualization of everything that we're talking about today. So for those of you, again, on the audio episode, you'll be able to hang with everything that we're going through and you don't need the visual, but it might be a little bit better to go about it that way. So that is my quick disclaimer. It should be a really fun episode. So without further ado, let's jump right in. And here is Spreadsheet Andy. That's right, everybody. Spreadsheet Andy is officially back. Welcome in. I am so excited to be deep into my Excel documents as we go through the Packers salary cap, what they need to do to get under it, what they need to do to be able to sign some free agents. And like I said, I think this is going to be a very fun exercise to go through. There's really only one spot to start with this, and that's where the Packers salary cap and roster stands right now. So let's go through that review the roster, what the current cost of that roster is, and where things kind of stand from a salary cap standpoint right now. So from a roster standpoint, they've got three quarterbacks on the roster, Jordan Love, Sean Clifford, and Alex Magoo. Running back, Aaron Jones, Emmanuel Wilson, and Ellis Merriweather. Fullback, Henry Pearson. And for those of you who are on the YouTube channel, you can obviously see all of the associated salary cap hits for 2024 right alongside of this. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Bo Melton, Malik Heath, Samore Toure, Grant Dubose, and Thyric Pitts at wide receiver. Look at this, by the way. Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Wicks, Melton, Heath. Let's just look at those six. Those six combined will cost the Packers a total $8.1 million against the salary cap this year. Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Wicks, Melton, Heath. $8.13 million total for those six wide receivers combined. That is beyond insane. But that's our wide receivers right now. Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, Ben Sims, and Joel Wilson at tight end. David Bakhtiari with that $40 million cap hit as we speak right now. Zach Tom, Rashid Walker, Caleb Jones, Luke Tenuta, and Kadeem Telfort as your offensive tackles. Elton Jenkins, Sean Ryan, and Royce Newman at guard. Josh Myers at center. That is your current Packers offense. 
On defense, you've got Kenny Clark with that $27.5 million cap hit. TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Carl Brooks, Colby Wooden, and Jonathan Ford. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith comes in with that $16.5 million cap hit. Lucas Van Ness, Kingsley Nigbari, Brenton Cox, Deslin Alexander, Keyshawn Banks, Kenneth Odomegwu, DeAndre Johnson, and Aaron Mosby as their edge rushers. Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie, and Christian Young at inside linebacker. Jair Alexander, Carrington Valentine, or I guess I should say off-ball linebacker now that you're theoretically back in a 4-3 defense. So Campbell, Walker, McDuffie, and Young as your off-ball linebackers. Jair Alexander, Carrington Valentine, Eric Stokes, Zion Gilbert, and Anthony Johnson, the corner, as your cornerbacks. Anthony Johnson Jr., Benny Sapp III, Zane Anderson, Tyler Cole as your safeties, Anders Carlson and Jack Podlesny as your kickers, Daniel Whelan as your punter, and Matt Orzek as your long snapper. Now, a couple things there, Emmanuel Wilson, Daniel Whelan, a couple of these guys are exclusive rights free agents. I'm just adding them on the roster with their minimum cap hit right now. Reason being is there's no reason for Green Bay not to do those deals. They are basically what amounts to a team option. They're not really free agents. They're as far away from free as you could possibly imagine. The team has all of the control. They hold all of the cards and it basically just amounts to, does the team want them back? If they do, they sign it for the minimum deal and that's that. So there's no reason not to put them on the active roster. But yes, a couple of those are exclusive rights free agents. And then you see I've got the Packers practice squad fund for this upcoming season set at 3.6 million and a slush fund set up for 8 million. You might say, Andy, what the heck? What do you mean a slush fund? Well, in season, there's a ton of things that take place, whether it is calling up practice squad players to the active roster, whether it is putting players on IR and then having to add more players to your roster. Those all cost money through the course of the season. There are a variety of different ways where you need money to spend. Maybe you want to make a transaction at the trade deadline. Maybe you want to bring in uh, you know, a veteran free agent. We saw Dalton Reisner get picked up by the Vikings midway through last season. Whatever it might be, you need some funds set aside to be able to operate and make sure that you can maintain an active roster. I like to put that around $8 million. So slush fund of 8 million, practice squad of 3.6 million. You put all of the current roster together, 53 players, plus the slush fund, plus the practice squad. And how I view this is that Green Bay is operating right now as we speak from a 53 player standpoint with a negative $23 million cap hit for this season. This also means that does not include any potential free agents that they want to sign. All of their unrestricted free agents, A.J. Dillon, Patrick Taylor, Tyler Davis, Josiah DeGuara, Yash Nyman, John Running Jr., Eric Wilson, Christian Welch, Corey Ballantyne, Keyshawn Nixon, Robert Rochelle, Rudy Ford, Darnell Savage, and Jonathan Owens. All of them are not included in that money. If they want to resign any of those, they're going to have to have more money for that. Again, the draft, any free agents they want to sign. There are a lot of things that are not included in that already. And as of right now, you're looking at about a, an effective operating cost of negative $23.15 million. Now, before I go further, I want to shout out a few things really quick. Over the cap, Spotrack and Ken Ingles. Both of them allowed me to put all of this information together using the resources that they have. Of course, over the cap and Spotrack, their specific websites, and then Ken, all the stuff that he puts out on Packers Twitter, specifically for the Packers salary cap. He does a tremendous job, so make sure to give him a follow. But using all of their data, was able to put all of this together to give you an idea of exactly where the Packers stand right now. 
Now, if you're looking at Ken's sheet and saying like, hey, Ken's sheet is actually a little bit different. Again, you can find it out on Twitter. It's just because we went through things in just a slightly different way. Our slush fund is a little bit different. Um, I'm using, again, the exclusive rights free agents actually on the roster. Um, there's just, a, again, a couple different ways that we did things, but it all amounts to the same process, the same numbers. It's just sliced a slightly different way. So, but I'm right now where I'm at, and I use 53 players, he's using 51. You might say, why 51 instead of 53? In the offseason, only 51 players count towards the salary cap. When you get to the regular season, you have to account for 53. Now, for me, I just rather would keep it at 53 the entire time. You're going to have to get there anyway, and you're going to get enough under the salary cap where the accounting doesn't really matter all that much for the two players. So I just start calculating for the 53 right away. But if you want to calculate it for 51 right now, you could do that too. But the long story short means that Green Bay right now with the roster as it stands, with needing a, a little bit of money for the actual season, with needing to build a practice squad, they're effectively negative $23 million, uh, well, or 23 above the salary cap. They need to lose some of that money. So how do they go about doing that? There's a couple easy things that they can start off with, and you guys probably know a couple of these already. There are three easy releases, in my opinion, on this active roster right now. The first, and easy might be a harsh word because there's nothing easy about this entire situation with David Bakhtiari. If you missed my entire episode on Bakhtiari as to why they need to release him and do it sooner rather than later and just sort of rip the band-aid, I did a full episode on it a couple weeks ago. Highly recommend checking that out. But the release of David Bakhtiari has to happen. He right now has a $40 million cap hit. 19.065 of that is going to count against the cap no matter what as a signing bonus that's already been paid out. They can't get out of it. They can't put it into a future year. It's just going to be dead cap on this season salary cap. In addition, with waving Bakhtiari, there's an injury protection where they're going to have to probably put 1.23 million on their active roster for this season in order to release him injured. That means his total cap hit is going to be about 20.3 million. But guess what? That's a whole heck of a lot better than 40.0 million. So saving almost $20 million for Bakhtiari is going to be insanely helpful. And again, is a huge reason why they're probably going to go in that direction. A, because they sort of need the money, but B, because they just can't count on him from a reliability standpoint with that injury any longer. And they need to do it so that they can use that injury protection and they can just get off of it and not have to worry about it any longer. Again, highly recommend checking out that episode because there's a little bit more nuance to it than that. But the long story short is if they release him, he's likely going to count about 20.3 million against the cap instead of a little over 40 million. Royce Newman is the next one. With him getting some playing time incentives and his cap set to go up to 2.95 million this upcoming season, releasing him and instead of him counting, you know, almost 3 million towards the cap, having him only count 125,000 towards the cap, there is almost almost a full 3 million in savings right there for a player that cannot be counted on at all. Um not because of injury, just because he hasn't been good out on the field. That is another easy release, and then you've got Devondre Campbell. This is not necessarily an easy one. 
I also did an episode going over all the potential Packer releases, and I went over why Devondre Campbell is the clear and obvious decision and why they need to move on right now. It's another episode you can check out, but the long story short here is that he right now counts $14.2 million against the cap. If you release him, it's $11.6 million in dead salary for this season. I would not June 1st that. I would just do that right now. Um, I never really like doing June 1st stuff, but if they do it, $11.6 million in dead cap now, but they get off the 14.2. So you save about $2.5 million. That's not a ton to move off a starting potential player, which makes it a little bit more complicated, but they save a ton of money next year by releasing him now. So it still makes sense in the long run. But if you take care of those three releases, Devondre Campbell, David Bakhtiari, and Royce Newman, you go from what before was a $23 million you know, over the cap to now, after those three releases, again, getting off of Bakhtiari, Newman, and Campbell, moving that into the dead cap, you now have a little under, or excuse me, a little over 385,000 above the cap. And again, expected, you know, salary cap revenue. And again, there's actually more than that. You'd actually be about 11.6 million above or 11.3 million above the cap. However, again, I'm already accounting for the practice squad that you need to pay. I'm already accounting for having 8 million in slush fund to be able to spend during the course of the season. So that leaves you with an effective about 400,000 over the cap, but that is a heck of a lot better. And you're starting to trend in the right direction. If you want to look at all of this, that again, you guys are looking at at the screen, this dead cap, 47 million in dead cap now includes the Campbell, Newman and Bakhtiari dead caps along with the dead cap that they already have going into this season. They are able to carry over about 6.8 million in adjustments uh, or just like carryover cap from last season. They've got about $1 million in salary cap adjustments, about a loss of a million in off-season workout charges. And then this is the other big thing that we sort of have to talk about right here. I am currently estimating a $243 million salary cap. It was initially going to be like 238 to 240. Now it seems to be around 243. There are some saying that that might move up all the way to 250. One of the tough parts about this exercise today is we just don't officially know what the cap is going to be yet, but it's not that big of a difference. If it goes down to 240, you know, then we have to adjust for 3 million off of this, which we're going to have left over anyway by the end of this exercise. So it's not a big deal. If this goes to 250 million, it gives Green Bay an additional 7 million to go and play with and maybe not have to do as many structures or uh, maybe move some of that money into future caps, which we're going to go over in just a minute here. So that all of this combined with the slush fund and the practice squad fund, um, again, gives you your, your total cap number, your current cap with 53 players. And then and again, counting for the practice squad and slush fund, it leaves you about $400,000 over the cap in effective salary cap space. So meaning Green Bay still has work to do because remember, even with those releases, even with releasing Bakhtiari and Newman and Devondre Campbell, they are still effectively over the cap. They still have to have a draft class. They still have to bring in probably some free agents, maybe bring back a couple of their own guys. They're going to have to fill out this roster in some capacity. So they need to clear more money. And that brings us to our restructure candidates. And I'll read through every single possible restructure candidate and then go over sort of my thought process with what they should do in this situation. They've got Aaron Jones, who's at 17.6 million in uh, salary cap right now, or what his, his cost is gonna be against the cap right now. The max restructure savings is up to 7.912 million uh, if they did a full restructure with all the void years and everything like that. 
Elton Jenkins has $14.4 million against the cap right now. They could save up to $5.98 million by doing a full restructure of his contract. Josh Myers is at $3.18 million. They could save about $1.42 million by doing a full restructure in void years of his salary. Kenny Clark is at $27.5 million. They could uh, do a restructure with all the voids and save about $11.47 million on this year's salary cap. TJ Slayton at $2.89 million could save about $1.4 million. Rashawn Gary at $15.9 million in cap hit could save about $5.1 million. Preston Smith, 16.5 mil cap hit, could save about 7.9 mil with a full restructure. Jair Alexander, 23.9 million, could save about 10.8 million with a restructure. And Eric Stokes, 3.8 million, could save almost a million dollars with a full restructure. So those are your candidates. Aaron Jones, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Jair Alexander, and Eric Stokes. Those are all restructure candidates. If you add all of that up for uh, all of those players and what you could save in a max restructure, they could save about $53 million by doing full voids and everything like that. Now that's going to hurt you in future seasons. Remember, it's basically borrowing from the future. Whatever you save now is going to cost you an arm and a leg in future seasons. But if they wanted to open up $53 million, they could do so. And they could really go and spend in free agency if they wanted to go in that direction. But let's go over sort of what makes sense here. There are two restructures with full restructures and voids that I think make sense. And that is Elton Jenkins and Rashawn Gary. Elton Jenkins and Rashawn Gary are good enough. They're young enough. And they're going to be on this roster long enough where I care a little bit less about having to worry about their future like releases and, and what you're going to have to eventually pay when they're off the roster and things like that. Those are the two that I would probably immediately do the full restructures on. That in and of itself is going to save me $11 million. And that kind of already gets me to a point where I'm good. Because remember, I'm keeping $8 million uh, aside just in case. I've got my $3.6 million for my uh, practice squad. And now I've got $11 million to go and spend in free agency and bring some guys in. You might say, man, Andy, $11 mil, that doesn't sound like a lot. Like a going rate for a good free agent is like $10 million a year. You could easily use that up in one player. Okay, well, let's think about that for a second. Because yes, while a good free agent, like, and I'm not even saying a great free agent, great free agents are going for like 20 mil per year, right? But a good free agent is probably around 10 million per year. And if they wanted to do that, it's likely going to be a three or four year deal. And that first year of the deal is probably three to $4 million. So they can backload that contract and they can probably sign two or three of those guys and actually still save money if they wanted to go and sign two or three good free agents at about 10 million per year with some backloaded contracts. I'm not saying they necessarily should do that, but they absolutely could do that. You also have to remember, we're already accounting for a 53-man roster. So like the minimum guy on that on that 53 level right now is about $900,000. So even if you sign someone for like a one-year $3 million deal and Green Bay did some bargain shopping and signed you know four guys to one-year $3 million deals, you might say, well, that's $12 million. It is, but you're going to have four guys that fall off that 53 as well. So you're going to save almost 3.6 million on that. So that's going to bring it down where you could fit for like $3 million signings in that as well. 
So if they wanted to bring back uh, like a Keyshawn Nixon and a John Runyon Jr. and a Rudy Ford and something like that, like they could bring those guys back and use the money that way if they wanted to go in that direction. Again, not advocating that they should, but that's another direction that they could go in. But doing the max restructures for Rashawn Gary and Elton Jenkins basically gets you to the level that you need to go where you can actually go out and spend some money in free agency, bring a couple of your own guys back, still have money for the season, still be able to build your practice squad and not have to borrow a ton from other guys or do a bunch of other restructures. That being said, there are two other contracts that I would look at here. Aaron Jones, who's set to make $17.5 million, and Kenny Clark, who's set to make about $27.5 million. Those cap hits are just a bit too much. Now, I would not do full restructures here. I want to be able to you know, sort of keep my options open. Both of them are potential extension candidates, which means that they could extend them and then they could save some money on this year by doing an extension and maybe kicking that out a little bit as well. Or what I would probably do is just do minimum restructures just to get a little bit off of that from Jones, a little bit off of that from Clark, and then you can decide on their future next off season. But by doing that, actually, before I get there, by doing that, it's probably going to get me somewhere around $20 million in effective salary cap space, which is a great, great number to be at. And will give Green Bay a ton of flexibility in free agency, plus their draft class and everything like that. But before I go over exactly how that looks, here are the players that I did not touch and would not touch with restructures. Josh Myers is on the last year of his deal. He's at $3.2 million right now. Don't put void years on that deal. Just let him play that out. Let him walk in free agency next year and be clean of that contract. TJ Slayton, he could be an extension candidate, but if you extend him, you're probably going to end up paying him more this year. I kind of would rather have him just play out his contract. You could potentially do some voids here and save a little bit of money, but I would just let him play out the $2.9 million deal this year. And then again, look at him as a free agent in this upcoming uh, 2025 free agency. Preston Smith, I would not touch either. Next year is a clear release year for Preston Smith. With Enigbari's injury and with where Preston Smith's salary is at right now, I think the 16.5, while not ideal, is workable for this one season. Don't put more issues on Preston Smith's contract in future seasons. Just let it be. Keep it as is. Don't restructure it. And then next year makes a very clear and obvious breaking point with Preston where you can release him next year. There's still going to be some dead cap hit, but it's not quite as egregious as what it is right now. And to me, I would just let that contract be as is. Jair Alexander is an interesting one. He's at that age and contract level where doing a restructure on him probably makes sense. However, however, you just had some issues with Jair. And I'm not saying he's going to get cut or traded or anything like that. But what I am saying is you just had to suspend him. There were some concerns. He hasn't exactly played at the same level that he did a couple seasons ago. He's had injury issues. To me, putting his salary cap number lower this year, but raising it over the next couple seasons and putting more money down the line into Jair, I think you want to allow yourself options with Jair in the coming seasons. And for that reason, I personally would not touch his contract. And then Eric Stokes, sort of similar to Josh Myers, just let him play out the $3.79 million. He's going to be a free agent next year. You're not going to pick up his fifth year option. So just let him play it out. Don't put any voids on top of that and just get off of that contract next year. 
So again, I would do a full restructure on Rashawn Gary, a full restructure on Elton Jenkins, and then I would try to do my best. And you might even contact Aaron Jones about maybe taking a pay cut or like I said, maybe doing an extension. I want to get that down. Uh, I would say maybe, you know, four or five million. Same thing with Kenny Clark. Try to get that down about four or five million. That might mean doing some voids and some restructuring and things like that. I'm okay with that based on who the players are, but that's how I would probably go about it. And when you get to your updated restructures, that brings Aaron Jones's contract down to 12 million for this year, Elton Jenkins down to 8.4, Kenny Clark down to 23, Rashawn Gary down to 10.8, and everyone else stays the same. Now just remember, that's not like that sounds great, but you're you're borrowing from 2025-2026. Just have to remember that. I think with based on where they're at, where the salary cap's supposed to go, some of the cheap contracts that they have, I'm okay with that, especially with where they are coming off a run in the playoffs where they looked pretty impressive, where they might be a few players away from really being able to compete at this thing. And also knowing that you're probably going to sign free agents this year, if you do go that route, that are not just going to help you now, but are also going to help you in 2025, you know, 2026, maybe even 2027. So I don't mind borrowing a little bit to add players now that are also going to help you in the future. But that brings Jones, Jenkins, Clark, and Rashawn Gary's cap hits down. And where that brings you effective salary cap space after all of the releases, after all of the restructures is 20.76 million in effective salary cap space. And remember that's actually like 11 points. It's almost like 32 million in cap space, because again, I'm keeping the 8 million in the slush fund, the 3.6 on the practice squad. Then I still have 20.76 to go out and spend. I'm already accounting for 53 players on the roster. And um, while you still have to account for the draft, just remember, like some of those guys are going to be two, three million dollars, but you're going to take a million dollar, almost a million dollar player off the roster by doing that as well. So there's going to be some spending via the draft, but it's not going to be egregious. And that 20.76 is going to allow you a pretty decent amount of money to go and spend in free agency. Before we can get to free agency, however, there is that one other thing we need to talk about, and that's Jordan Love. Jordan Love's contract is almost impossible to predict. What I will ultimately say here is that my expectation right now, and this could change, Green Bay could go about this a variety of different ways, but my expectation now is that Jordan Love's contract for 2024 stays somewhere probably around where it is right now at about $12.75 million. That's my guess. If you want to look at a deal that I think sort of makes sense for Jordan Love, it's sort of in that Justin Herbert range. And how I would look at it is almost like a five-year, $250 million deal for Jordan Love. That might sound high. That might sound, I don't know how that's going to sound to a lot of you, but I want to add this caveat to it. Five years, 250 as an extension, meaning not starting in 2024, meaning extending after 2024. If you have five years, $250 million for Jordan Love, their agent and Jordan Love can pitch that as, hey, we got a five-year, $250 million extension, $50 million per season. That sounds great. For Green Bay, they can look at it as a six-year deal because he continues to play at the deal that he's at right now. And it ends up with the, the void years that they have coming up as well, ends up more of like a six-year, 26, uh, sorry, six-year, $267 million contract. So if you kind of look at it that way, um, the the six-year, $267 million deal. All right, so if you're looking at it this way, 267, 757, 731 divided by six 
It's actually more of like a $44 million deal instead. So the Packers can say like, hey, we got him more closer to the $40 million. The, his agent can say, hey, we actually got a $50 million extension. There might be some wiggle room in there. Um, and maybe it's a little bit less than that. That would be great. But even if it's more in, like I said, that $50 million extension range on a five-year deal after this year, I I expect his, his contract to say somewhat similar to what it is right now. And then you're looking at like a 35, 40, 50, 60, $70 million going up almost 10 million every single year, year over year. This would have been 30 million, except they've got 5 million in, in void years. Uh, you know, that is going to kick into next year as well. Um, so it looks like it's going to be a little bit more than that. But what I really want to get across here, whatever this ends up being, you also have to remember like once they get to the later parts of this, they're going to restructure and do some things there to kick money further. So it looks awful now when you start seeing 50, 60, $70 million cap hits. A, welcome to paying a huge contract in 2024. Uh, B, just remember that when you get to those later years, it's going to get restructured anyway. But my point being here is I believe his contract in 2024, even when he extends, will probably be somewhere around what he's getting paid right now. So it's not going to necessarily change the calculus for 2024. Well, for beyond 2024, but for our exercise today, I expect his contract to remain somewhere around the same for this upcoming season. All right. So after all of that, assuming that his contract remains somewhere near the same, we've got that $20 million to play with in salary cap space. So let's take a look at a couple free agents that they could go after. What I want to stress to you here is don't worry about the name. If you want a different free agent, that's fine. If you want a different safety or linebacker, a different position, that's fine. Don't fixate yourself on the name. I'm just going over a couple options here. And this is where I think it's important to remember that even though a deal might be a long-term deal, like a three-year deal, let's take a look at the, the couple that I have on the screen here. Let's say they want to go get Frankie Louvu. All right. I have Frankie Louvu as the free agent signing here for Green Bay. All right. Let's take a look at Alex Anzalone, who was the second highest paid inside linebacker or off-ball linebacker this past offseason. He got a three-year, $18 million deal. Now, I would expect Luvu to maybe get around there, maybe a little bit more, but look at what in 2023, when Anzalone signed this, his cap hit in 2023 in the first year of that deal was only $2.5 million. So let's just say in for this case, I put Luvu maybe gets a little bit more. Luvu's a little bit younger. I think he's a little bit better than Anzalone. So let's just put him at 3.5 million for this year. You sign him to a similar three-year, let's say $21 million deal, and he makes 3.5 million in the first year of that deal. And he gets you that linebacker that you need next to Quay Walker. So he that's one of your free agent signings. And let's take a look at the top, basically the top free agent safety that was not named Jesse Bates last offseason. Von Bell. He also signed a three-year, $22.5 million deal. But look what his cap hit was in 2023, in the first year of that deal, $3.11 million. So let's take a Geno Stone. Let's sign him to a similar three-year, $22 million or $22.5 million deal and do the $3 million in the first year of that deal. And you get Geno Stone right now accounting for $3.1 million on the deal. So you sign two fairly significant defenders to your roster in Frankie Luvu and Gino Stone, and they're only going to cost about $6.6 million on your salary cap next year. That, And again, remember, two guys are going to fall off of that 53. So you're at about 15.7 still in effective salary cap space after signing two pretty big name free agents. Now, maybe Gino Stone ends up costing a little bit more. Maybe Frankie Luvu ends up costing a little bit more. Maybe that $15, 15.7 million in, in cap space is down to 11 mil in effective cap space. That's not going to change the calculus. 
like legitimately, they're still going to be able to operate exactly the same, even if those contracts are a little bit more. But based on the contracts last year, Von Bell and Alex Anzalone, I think you can probably get a safety the caliber of Geno Stone for a similar sort of Von Bell type of deal. And same thing with Frankie Luvu in a very similar Alex Anzalone type of deal and help solidify your defense under new defensive coordinator, Jeff Halfley. All right, that brings us to the draft. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to use the first four rounds. And this was Ross Uglum's mock draft Monday from this past week. If you didn't check out Ross Uglum's mock draft Monday from this past Monday on the Packaday podcast on the daily draft, highly recommend checking it out. Of course, this is only the first four rounds. There are, you know, what, three rounds after that. There's going to be some additional picks, but let's use his six picks from the first four rounds to fill out this roster and what their salary cap hits would be. So in the first round, he took Quinion Mitchell, cornerback out of Toledo. So he will count uh, at the cornerback position, 2.86 million. These are the actual cap hits that they would pay in the first year for the selections at these given choices. So Quinion Mitchell, $2.86 million. He got Cameron Kitchens in round two. So 1.8 million for Cameron Kitchens at safety. Chris Jenkins along the defensive line in round two, $1.3 million. Junior Colson, off-ball linebacker in round, uh, let's see, round three, $1.07 million at inside linebacker. Will Shipley, running back out of Clemson. There's your backup running back, $1.07 million. And then you've got Javon Foster, offensive lineman out of Missouri at $1.006 million. Uh, there in the fourth round. Again, there would be more draft picks than that. And some of those guys would be paid a little bit more, but it's not going to affect the salary cap all that much. Um, Again, you're basically adding guys that are just going to subtract guys that are making almost the same amount already. So there could be some guys that you add. Of course, Goody's going to have his guys that ultimately make the roster from the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds. But this gives us a good idea for their first six picks, where you could potentially add, what type of players you could potentially get, and what their salary cap hits would be. You add those six players to the roster and your cap space goes down to 11.5 million. Remember, this still includes Geno Stone. This still includes Frankie Louvu, and you've got some money to still go out and spend. So after the draft, or maybe some of these would have been before the draft, that's okay too. But let's say Goody looks at the roster and says, all right, we filled out our draft. We got a couple of big priority free agents, but we need to do a little bit more free agent shopping to sort of shore up some of these weak spots. So he goes out and he looks out and he's like, you know what? John Runyon Jr. is still out there. We're going to sign him to a one-year $3 million deal. He started for us in the past. He can compete with Sean Ryan. He's backed up at center a little bit. He gives us a little bit of flexibility there. Let's bring him back. Tyler Biotish, offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman, former Badger, uh, Dallas Cowboy. Maybe, you know, Goody says, you know what? We need a little bit more depth on the offensive line and we'd really like somebody to come in and compete with Josh Myers. In comes Tyler Biotish, 2.9 million. I will say once again, do not get caught up on the names. I don't care about the names right now. We're just going through this exercise to look at it from a salary cap standpoint, how they could go out about some free agent spending and still stay under the salary cap. Jeff Akuda, remember, he had a great year at Ohio State as a defensive back with Jeff Halfley, defensive coordinator for now, your Green Bay Packers. Okuda, probably a very cheap free agent signing. Maybe Halfley thinks, hey, you know what? I can still get the best out of this guy. This guy is a former top 10 draft pick. I can make him a really good player still. Maybe they take a gamble on him and say, you know what? We'll bring him in for a one-year $1.5 million deal. Jeremy Chin, former second round pick, hasn't done a whole heck of a lot. 
did not play well in Carolina the past couple of years. Maybe Green Bay looks at him and says, you know what? We want to take a flyer. We think there is some opportunity there. We're going to sign him to a one-year $3.2 million deal to come in and be a hybrid linebacker safety, play that box safety role, which would fit really well in Jeff Halfley's defense. Maybe that could be something that works. So Goody fills out his roster with a couple additional free agent signings, and that brings you to $4.5 million still in effective salary cap space. And then, of course, once you have rounded out your roster, you need to make your roster cutdowns. So what does your end result in this exercise look like for the Packers 53-man roster? Well, you've got Jordan Love and Sean Clifford at quarterback, Aaron Jones, Will Shipley, and Emmanuel Wilson at running back, Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Wicks, uh, Melton, and Heath as your wide receivers, Musgrave, Kraft, and Sims at tight end, Zach Tom, Rasheed Walker, Javon Foster, Caleb Jones, and Luke Tenuta at offensive tackle. Elton Jenkins, Sean Ryan, and John Runyon Jr. at guard. Josh Myers and Tyler Biotish at center. Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Carl Brooks, Chris Jenkins, and Colby Wooden along the defensive line. At edge rusher, you have Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, LVN, Kingsley Nigbari, and Brenton Cox. Now, Nigbari probably starts on the pup list, but we can sort of ignore that for now. It's not necessarily the point of the exercise. Quay Walker, Frankie Luvu, Isaiah McDuffie, Junior Colson. And I just sort of put in a placeholder for a late round pick or an undrafted free agent here at inside linebacker to sort of round out the group. Jair Alexander, Quinion Mitchell, Carrington Valentine, Eric Stokes, and Jeff Akuda at corner. Geno Stone, Cameron Kinchins, Jeremy Chin, Anthony Johnson Jr. And again, another placeholder for a late round pick or undrafted free agent here at safety. Anders Carlson at kicker, Daniel Whalen at punter, and Matt Orzek at long snapper. You still have more money to spend if something comes available at the end of free agency or during the trade deadline. You've got your slush fund to spend during the season. You've got your money to fill out the practice squad. You have everything you need. You've got a roster filled out. And again, what I don't want to necessarily focus on here is what the free agents were, who the free agents were, who the draft picks were. That's a fool's errand. We cannot exactly predict which free agents they're going to sign or which draft picks they're going to pick at this point in time. But what we can do is get an idea of how that money is divvied out. And again, if you want to split it in different ways, maybe instead of Luvu and Geno Stone and uh, Tyler Biotish, maybe you use all that money for one bigger player. Uh, Maybe a Xavier McKinney comes into play at that point. Who knows? But there are a variety of different options to go about doing this. The point of the exercise is they're going to have to open up some money, probably by releasing a few players, probably by restructuring a couple players. By doing so, they are going to borrow a little bit from future salary caps, but they're also going to open up the ability to sign a couple free agents, bring in or bring back a couple of their own guys, fill out a really impressive draft class, and fill out this roster in a way that should keep them extremely competitive in 2024. Now, of course, anytime that you're borrowing from future salary caps, you also have to look at the potential opportunity cost. This is a very sort of rough estimate because it's really hard to plug and play what the draft picks will be this year and things like that. But if you look at this, even if you assume that Jordan Love's on like a $35 million deal next year, you look at it. Aaron Jones is going to be off of his contract next year. Uh, You've got David Bakhtiari and his contract gone. You have, again, Josh Myers, who comes off of his contract, Slayton, Kenny Clark's contract expires. We talked about Preston Smith being much more releasable next offseason. Devondre Campbell will have already been released by this time, assuming they go in that direction. Eric Stokes' contract comes off. If you look at what they have in their you know remaining roster, you're looking at about $176 million. The salary cap next year is probably going to be somewhere around $260 million. You can open up a significant amount of salary cap space in 2025, but but that is going to really 
be, you know, dependent upon you being extremely patient in 2024. Basically, instead of doing those restructures on Kenny Clark and Aaron Jones, you let them be. You don't restructure them. You don't open up 20 million in salary cap space. And if you are patient, if you are willing to wait a little bit, you are looking at a 2025 roster that while you do have to fill some spots like Aaron Jones and Kenny Clark and Preston Smith and um, you know a couple guys like that, you have a potential ton of money to spend next year in free agency. Now, I think the path that we took today was a great middle ground. You're not mortgaging all of the future. You're keeping a lot of options open in future seasons. A lot of the guys that you ultimately want to release and get off of, you're still able to do so. The only guys that you did full restructures on, Elton Jenkins and Rashawn Gary are going to be here probably for the next few seasons anyway. So this to me was a good middle ground and guys that you signed, especially a guy like maybe a Geno Stone or a Frankie Louvu, probably help you for the next couple seasons, not just in 2024. So you know me, if you've been listening to these in the past, I'm not necessarily a middle ground guy, either give me an A or give me an F, but I think this is a really perfect spot for Green Bay where they can stay extremely competitive in 2024, make a legitimate run at this thing, but still keep a ton of options open for 2025 and potentially a significant free agent signing or two. Plus you add in a draft class of five top 100 picks this year, more draft picks next year. The core of this roster is not going anywhere. You have some potential 2025 and beyond to really make a special team, but I don't think you have to sacrifice the opportunity to win in 2024. And I think we sort of showed that today. Hopefully you enjoyed this exercise. Again, don't get caught up on the names, just get caught up on what types of moves that they can do this off season. Hopefully this was super helpful. I will be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. Make sure to subscribe, like, comment, check out those Pack-A-Day podcast YouTube memberships. But until next time, and as always, go Pack-Go.